Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Yeah, so we're, we're going to continue to roll after this. This morning, we want to talk about the presence of God. Now, did you know that the presence of God was a core value? Did you know that that's what we were experiencing during worship? And, and, and what we're experiencing now, just at a different, and I'd say in a different way. You know, the, just the fact that even when you, see, when you see me standing up here, it's, 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 not, it's not public speaking that makes me emotional. It's Holy Spirit. And, and you, like, you never know what's going to ignite it, but I just want you to say, like, you're observing the presence of God. You know, on, on a Sunday morning, I hope that you're experiencing that, you know, even at a more deeper level than what I am. But that's a core value here. Honestly, it's like, if we're gathering together and God's not present with us, what are we doing? I mean, you guys are great, you know, like, but I could, I, could, I could fellowship at the bar, and I don't mean to say, like, drinking or something. I'm just saying, like, I could go to a ball game. I could, like, there's a lot of other places we could have a fellowship club, right? Like, I, I'm coming here to, to meet with family, to connect in with you as family, but because he's at the helm, and, and, and when it all comes, like, if, I, if I'm coming just to meet with you, like, I could do that anywhere, but I'm, like, coming to meet with you and to meet with God. Like, if I'm not coming here and I'm not, if I'm not meeting with him, I'm like, what are we, what are we doing this for? Like, if God's not present, I don't want to be there. Like Moses, you know, you can remember the, the and deep into the Old Testament, Moses is like, man, if your spirit doesn't go with us, I'm not, we're not even going to go up from this place. Like, that's our sentiment when we say the presence of God is our core value here. And, and to some, probably primarily non-charismatics, it, it probably seems a little bit mystical. You know, like the presence of God. Like, like what are we going to, are we going to see like the pillar of fire and like a cloud? I hope to God we see anything that looks anything like But no, like it's not mystical. It's, 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 it's way simpler than what maybe it sounds like. It's, just, it's not this like, like, oh, there's the cloud of his presence that comes in. Like those things can happen. But when we're talking about the presence of God, it's way larger, more multifaceted you know, than, than those, those kinds of expressions. At its simplest level, we're simply talking about that, that God is present among us and we have the ability to discern that. See, and, and, I, and I say it that way because we know that God is, is omnipresent. Isn't that right? And omnipresence, that means that God's everywhere at once. So, so he is always with us. He's always there. He, he doesn't miss a beat. He always sees absolutely everything. You know, so he's, he's omnipresent. He's every place at once. And I would say in addition to that, we all have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us if we're born again believers. So he literally will never leave me or forsake me. Right? So, so you can't get closer than Holy Spirit, like living in your spirit on the inside of your body. Right? So he's always with us, but when we talk about the core value of presence, we're talking about, yes, we acknowledge that he's always with us, but we also acknowledge that at any given moment, there's more. <laughs> that, that at any moment, we can actually discern that God just showed up in the building. That, 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 like we have the promise where two or more are gathered together, there I am in your midst. Well, I thought that, that you were already there. You're omnipresent, right? So what's he talking about? There's a sense in which when we gather together corporately like this, I, I don't know that this is biblically accurate per se, like some theologian would probably shot me down like usual, just to, <laughs> you know, but, but I kind of think of it like this, like, like I carry a measure of Christ on the inside of me and you carry a measure. When we come together, we got more. 
Like I say, okay, so maybe it's not exactly theologically correct, but that's the sense in which when we gather together corporately, he says, there I am in your midst. There's a greater manifestation of the presence of God. Like I have the ability to discern him on a greater level. And how many of you know, like we don't, like God's always present, he's omnipresent, but I don't always discern that he's present. Like, and, and how many of you, and maybe now you're experiencing this, have experienced portions and times in your, your seasons in your life where you're like, it doesn't feel like you're close. <laughs> like, you know, like, I, I know that you're omnipresent. I, I know that you're on board, Holy Spirit. You live on the inside of me, but it doesn't feel like it at this moment. Right now, you feel more distant than ever. Right? So, so there are times when we don't discern or feel his presence. Isn't that right? And, 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 and in contrast to that, then there are times when it's punctuated. There are, there are times when he allows us to be sensitive to that reality that he is present among us. You know, to, to kind of take it to a new level. Like, I don't know about you, but I want that in a bad way. I, I, I want to, <laughs> I'll keep it together. I, I want to wake up in the morning and go, ooh, there you are. I don't want to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, another humdrum day. Here we go. Like, get my coffee, woman. Let's go. Like, <laughs> right? No, I want to wake up and be like, ooh, yeah. Boy, I don't know what was happening when I was sleeping, but I was with Jesus because I just woke up in his presence. And I, like his manifest presence, like, like that punctuated experience of my physical senses being alive because he's with me. Come on. Isn't that what we're shooting for? This is the core value of this church. That's what we're shooting for. Like we want God. We want to return to our first love. We want to encounter him. We want to experience him in a significant way. Here's Here's the reality. God doesn't want us just to simply acknowledge that he is. God doesn't want us to simply acknowledge that he exists, simply acknowledge that he's with us, simply acknowledge that we can't be separated from him, simply acknowledge that he's omnipresent. Right? He wants us to experience him. He wants us to, listen to this, taste and see that he's good, not just know it up here. And so, like, this is so much of our problem, American Christians, we have allowed this to dominate everything, but how many of you know you were actually by design a spirit? I thought we were human beings. No, you're a spirit. Your spirit will never die. You are a spirit with a soul and a body. This is going to die. This is all going to go away. My spirit will live on for eternity. Where that eternity is is completely up to me. How many of you know that? Right? But we are, we are a spirit, but what we've done is we've actually inverted that because it's so easy for us with this physical body and this physical brain to get wrapped up in thinking that's the number one. And so everything that we do is actually discerned then through our brain or through our intellect. But God never actually intended us to discern everything through our intellect, that which is temporary. He's actually called us to discern through our spirit. He's called us, like through maturity and practice, to awaken our spirits to the spirit realm, to awaken us to be able to discern good and evil, to be able to discern what God is doing at any given moment of any given day in my life and the lives of the people that are around me. And if I am stuck to my, to my brain, my brain actually has the ability to become a bottleneck for the things of God. 
My brain has the ability, honestly, to, to shut it down. You're like, well, I don't understand that. That's very weird. And so we kill it. We shut it off. We think, oh, that can't be. If I can't understand it, then it can't be biblical. Well, I got words. I got news for you. The infinite almighty God who was, who is, who is to come, who was not created, he cannot be confined by your meager intellect. Well, it's just not biblical if I can't understand it. Well, okay, then, then nothing is going to be biblical because I'm telling you, we live in mystery. You know, can you explain the Trinity? That's right, no one can. Like, scholars can't explain it. And every time you try to explain it, it's wrong for one reason or another. Like, we can't explain the God who never was created. We can't comprehend that. Why? Because we're finite beings. And so to process our entire spiritual life through this limited reality is to actually inhibit God. And it, it can shut him down in an environment. It can shut down what he wants to do. It can shut down our experience with him. Amen or oh me. I'm swimming all over the place, but it's good. Psalms 105, chapter, uh, verse 4, it says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Seek his face continually. I guess I would say if God's omnipresent and Holy Spirit's always with me, why would I need to seek his face continually? Don't I have it? Seek his face continually. I would say there's a whole lot more than what we often are experiencing. You know, the word for face in Hebrew is actually uh, exact, as an exact interchange for his presence. And so we have a grid sometimes for, well, we're supposed to seek his face, not his hand. I like what Bill Johnson says. He says, well, if you find his hand, just look up. <laughs> yeah, because it's him, isn't it? It's like we have a grid for, well, you're supposed to seek his face, brother. That's great. But you actually understand that in the Bible, face is interchangeable for presence. So when we say that we're making his presence an aim... Like, like that's profoundly biblical. You understand? It's not just a weird charismatic mysticism. It's we are actually called to seek his face. There's an expression of intimacy built into that reality. I was in a meeting with a with a charismatic leader here sometime back at a coffee shop because pastors only know how to drink coffee and you know it's like, actually it's a cheap date. You know that? For all you cheapskates, just take your wife out for coffee. It's good. It's like 10 bucks and you're out the door. Then you can look intentional. It's all good. No. I, I met with him and he, he chose to have a seat that was uh, positioned in such a way as he could see the door. Young man. So we're not talking like PTSD from Vietnam or something. All right. So just a young guy. And, and as I was talking to him, he was, uh, his attention was often diverted and so, like, instead of making good eye contact with me as, as, as I'm explaining, as I'm talking about stories, as I'm answering questions that he asked, he's actually over here. And I'm, like, talking to him, right? I'm going, and somewhere in the middle I was going, like, you kind of wanted to just trail off and see if anything, like, anybody noticed, you know? Like, you know, the other day I was, I, oh, you weren't paying attention? Oh, because I saw that you weren't paying attention. You know, it, and so, has anybody experienced something like that? You know, and like, and now evermore with the cell phones, you know, like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, I'll just throw this out there, personal opinion, but you know, it's biblical. So I'll be like Paul, but I also have the Holy Spirit. So, you know, all right, no, I guess nobody reads their Bibles, but anyway, <laughs> you know, in the generation where like you're having a face to face with somebody and somebody calls you, oh, excuse me, I need to, 
Like there's certain circumstances where that makes sense. Like Bruce is in the attic on wiring and that's like, oh, hang on. Like he's, he may die if I don't take this phone call. Like this is pretty important right now, right? Like there's you know, certain under, you know, circumstances, but like in general, it's rude, right? The person that's in front of you is devalued when you just, you're willy-nilly like, mm-hmm, yeah, it's, right, okay. Uh, uh, oh, no, <laughs> like it's, just, it's, just, it's just rude. Now you know, <laughs> right? But, so we've all experienced a time when somebody looked like they were more tied to their phone or more tied to really largely anything other than you and the words that are coming out of your mouth. How many of you know it's kind of important to have eye contact? Yeah, it's kind of important to have someone's full attention, their full face. Like, it means something, doesn't it? You know, many years ago, we were on the mission field, and, and a, a beautiful friend that we have there is a high-eye personality, and, uh, but she was also, she could also get very busy as she was, you know, getting ready to entertain a group of people, or as any of us could, right? And I remember her, her little child, I don't remember how old he was, he came running in one time. He needed to ask his mom a question, you know, and uh, I'm going to kill the camera people, but he literally, he, he runs up to his mom and he goes, he goes, hey, hey. And like, so she's like looking over here, he goes, like, literally grabs her face and turns it to his. Now I'm like, I'm like, are you? Are, wait, are we? Is this even happening right now? Like for me, I'm like speaking of rude, like you know. But for him, he understood that if he did not have his mom's undivided attention, and he would grab her face and he's like, just take, just, just take a second and just hear me, just pay attention to me, just look into my eyes. How many of you know there's something significant about someone's face? There's something significant about having someone's full attention, someone's full eye contact. It's powerful. Like the eye literally is the gate to the soul. It's the, the soul is the seat of our emotion. You can read people if you just simply look into their eyes. You can actually sense stuff in the spirit realm if you just actually begin to make contact with people. I can't look at Charles at all. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Charles. Gosh. <laughs> The guy just drips stuff, you know, you know, and, and so it's, I'm not even suggesting even for a split second that like, like, well, what you're saying is God misses something and, and we need to get his attention. No, God never misses anything, but there's more, you know, like, like God never misses a detail of your life. He knows the very number of the, the hairs on your head. Like he knows everything about you, every decision, every thought that's going on in your brain, like every bit. He is, like he is intimately connected with you, but there's more. There's an experience where, where you can almost grab God's face and you can kind of go, I just need you, Dad. I just need, I just, I just need your eyes on me for a minute. Like, I just need your focus. Like, there's more. Like, I know that you're present, but there's more. I need the more. Like, I just need to look into your fiery, beautiful eyes. I need to know, Daddy, that everything's going to be okay right now in this moment, right? There's more. There's an experience of his presence that transcends the general omnipresent reality that we walk in. Okay, this is what we're talking about. You can understand. This is why it's a core value. Because every day that you gather here, I want you to see his fiery eyes. Yeah, I want you to see, I want you to see his, you know, I want you to see his, his bright luminescence. I want you to come through the door and encounter God in this church. Now, we don't always do it well. We don't always know how to do it, but it's a priority, I assure you. We don't want our brains to get in the way. Jesus basically says this. Think about this. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. He's talking to the woman at the well. Uh, is that right? No. Is that right? Yeah, the woman at the well. 
Sorry. Get my brain discombobulated. But an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship, listen, must worship him in spirit and in truth. God's looking for a deeper connection. We can walk through that front door, and we can do everything processed through this little brain. Right? I can do everything in truth. And you know what? God's worthy of that level of obedience out of me. I I can come in here, and I can say, God, you're good. I know it here. You're, you're amazing. Like the way that you operate, it's, it's one. I can go through an entire worship service here in truth. But this says here that true worshipers, the kind of worshipers that God's looking for, are the ones that actually press in a little bit deeper. The ones who are looking to connect with Him spirit to spirit. Remember, you are a spirit. You're a spirit with a soul and a body. The body's going to go away, the spirit won't. Right? And it says, God is spirit. So you're a spirit. You've been created in his likeness. He's a spirit. You're actually designed to commune with God at a higher level than what is possible when you're only doing it through your brains. Right? That's what it says right here. If we only process our relationship with God through our brains, we become Pharisees. I mean, isn't that what the Pharisees did? Right? I mean, did anybody know the Bible better than the Pharisees? I would wager not. They knew all the scriptures, like, yeah, Jesus, son of God, in the word it says this, right? You're, you're talking to God. Why weren't you able to discern that? How, how is it that you can stand face to face with God, look him in the eyes, and not know that there's something going on here? Like, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, maybe. I don't understand it yet but man something inside of me like leaps remember when Jesus was in his resurrected form he was talking with a couple of disciples on the road and he had changed his form and they didn't recognize him and as he began to talk listen this they spiritually discerned Because something on the inside of them became alive in the same way they had grown accustomed to when they were talking to Jesus. And they identified it. So with the eye gate, with their eyes, they couldn't discern. With their brains, they could not discern that this was Jesus. Do you get this? Like, it didn't look like Jesus. It didn't smell like Jesus. He didn't, you know, he didn't sound like Jesus. We did not know that this was Jesus, but something on the inside of them, it says, leapt and came alive. And they were like, no, wait, I, I can identify. Now, this is what it, this is. It, let me just change the words a little bit. I, I am familiar with that presence. I'm familiar, I am familiar with that presence. I recognize that. And, and if I can divorce myself from my brain for just a moment, I would say, I just encountered Jesus. I know Bill Johnson, who I often quote from because he's a father to me in the faith. So get over it. <laughs> he had said, you know, he said in certain environments, he's found that he comes in and what he sees with his eyes is offensive. Can you imagine a big charismatic leader like that still thinking that anything that's happened in the body of Christ would be visually offensive? Like, I don't know what those guys are doing over in the corner, but it got to be sacrilegious. There might be a demon happening there, and that's just crazy weird people there, 
right? Even for Bill, he says he'd come into certain environments and, and it's offensive to his eyes. It's offensive to his brain. I really should have put that over there, huh? He says sometimes in those environments, he'll close his eyes. Because if he can divorce his brain from what he's seeing and he can ignite his spirit to discern, then he can actually discern good and evil without respect to what he's seeing, without respect to processing his brain, through his brain. And he says oftentimes he finds in an environment that is visually offensive to him, if he shuts his eyes, he can sense, oh, that's the same presence I've become familiar with. In other words, that's God. Right? We're not supposed, guys, we're not supposed to process everything through our brains. Your brain will fool you. Ever pull up a, a, a YouTube video of some weird charismatic meeting? Anybody ever do that? Right? And, and have you ever walked away from the video going, that was some weird, that's some weird stuff happening. I don't even know what was going on at that church. That is some crazy stuff. What do you mean Benny Hinn's waving his coat at people and they're falling down? That's crazy stuff. Right? Like, what, what do you mean they, they laid hands on people and they just fell on the floor and couldn't move? Like, that's just weird stuff. Why is that guy shaking? You know, why are they speaking in that weird language? Okay, so when you watch a YouTube video, how are you predominantly processing that information? You're processing it through your brain, right? But when you're in the environment, you're able actually to discern via your spirit and what could be or what otherwise would be offensive with your eyes as processed through your brain, you can begin to discern, oh, wait a second, this is familiar, this is the same God that meets with me every morning. This was my first experience in a charismatic conference with John Paul Jackson. And people started doing weird manifestations. I'd never seen anything like it, and I was deeply uncomfortable. But you know, the same sense, the same presence, the same God who would meet with me, who brought me and drew me into the kingdom, was present in that meeting. <laughs> You know, and you kind of go, okay, Lord, so there's more. I sense you here. I sense your presence here. I can discern you here. My eyes, my brain may not have a grid for it, but I can discern that you are here present in this place. How many of you know we're not supposed to process through our brains? We're supposed to actually discern through our spirit. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm blaming Corey for this. There we go. Now we're better. Doggone Corey. <laughs> now we're in better shape. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The natural man will process something through their, through their head, through their intellect. This is suggesting here that you can't do that. Like, you know, you understand, you can't even get saved by processing it through your brain. So all of the people on a fact-finding mission, like, I just need to get my brain shored completely up before I accept this Savior, Jesus. No, you're doing it wrong, buddy. Like, because spiritual things aren't appraised via your brain, they're appraised via your spirit, your spirit, which was wired to discern your creator God. And if you just shut your eyes for a second, and you shut down your brain that's been indoctrinated, you will resonate deeply on the inside of you that what is being spoken to you now is truth, and you will give your life to Christ. Why? Because it makes sense? No, it didn't make sense at all. 
what do you mean a virgin gave birth to the God of the universe? And he's like, that didn't make any sense to anybody. Not here. It makes a whole lot of sense here, doesn't it? Or here, more specifically. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Spiritual things are appraised through our spirits, not through our brains. We've been getting absolutely inverted. Absolutely inverted. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, 20 through 24. It says, where is the wise man? See, once you get a hold of this idea, you begin, it's like anything else, you begin to see it all throughout the scriptures. You know, like, has anybody ever bought a new car and you're like, there isn't one single car in all of Warrensburg that's like mine. And then you buy it and there's 18. You know what I mean? You'll do the same thing in scripture. Like once the Holy Spirit illuminates something, you'll begin to see the thread of it throughout. And here is a part of that thread. It says, where is the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? He's talking about the wisdom of the world that's come, that comes right through the brain gate, through the eye gate, right? That's the wisdom of the world, figuring it out in your brain. That's what we're talking about here. Verse 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, now listen, Jews ask for a sign and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ, Christ crucified. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. To the Gentiles, it's foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let's take a little bit closer look at this. The Jews, being a little bit more spiritual than the Greeks, see, they wanted a sign. Just show us a sign that points to your divinity. It's weird in light of the fact that Jesus was just like a multitude of miracles. So, you know, it's a little strange. But here's what they were wanting. Like, show me something that I can process through my eye gate and thus through my brain. And then I can determine whether or not you're really the Savior or not. They were saying, like, we want to actually process this through our intellect, and then that processing, like, whatever they, whatever they saw, they weighed in light of their own intellect, and they, they found Jesus wanting, right? And the Greeks, similarly, being even less spiritual than that, they said, you know, uh, actually, we need to make sure that this, they're looking for wisdom. What that means is, like, we need to make sure that this makes sense. Hey, anybody ever rejected something in the spirit, something in the kingdom? You're like, well, that doesn't make any sense, so that can't be God. If you've done that, you're processing very likely through your brain. You're processing through the eyes, the ears, through what you can touch and feel and what you can process, what fits in your little box. Right? That's the Greek thinking mindset. It says, can we explain it scientifically? How many of you know many a miracle? We were just talking about this, with, I think, with Paul last week, wherever he is. You know? like many a miracles can be explained away if we just try hard enough and apply our brain well, somewhere between that prayer meeting and the hospital when they gave that report, you know, he must have, you know, ate a Snickers bar, and the Snickers bar, we all know, has healing juices on the inside of her, you know, right? I mean, we can, we can logically explain a miracle away. How many of you know a miracle still takes faith to believe it? Right? We kind of, you know, we're, we're praying over the food to be multiplied, and somehow the two pizzas we bought for 89 people, they fed everybody, and we kind of go, well, I guess, not, I guess people weren't very hungry that day. Right? We, we, we process it through our brain and we immediately dismiss it. This is Greek thinking. And to the Greeks, it says, as we process these things, these spiritual truths, that they process it through their brains, it's, it's relegated to foolishness. Let me remind you, when you watch the spiritual things on YouTube, you walk away going, that was foolish. That was foolish. 
That's crazy. God could never do that. Processing through our brains. Are you beginning to see this thread through these scriptures? Our American culture is deeply entrenched. Deeply entrenched in Greek thinking. Everything has to be processed through here. If it's not, we reject it. Because we don't have objective scientific truth. I need to know all the variables at play. I need to know what are the constants. You know, I need to hear five theories for why this could be. You know, and I'm going to allow anybody who has you know, worldly wisdom to debunk what I actually first discerned in here to be God. It's Greek thinking. It becomes foolishness. Why is the presence a core value? I think you're beginning to see that, right? Because relationship with God was never meant to be relegated to the limits of my own intellect. You can't even fathom him. Not if you tried. Can you even count the stars? You can't count the stars. You can't even do that. Why would you think that God would conform to your little box? Why would you think that, why would you think that if you can't explain it, yeah, you can't, let me, you can't even count the stars. Like, why would you think that if you can't explain it, it can't be God? See, there was always meant to be more to our relationship with God than what we can process through our brains. There was meant to be more. Here's another thing. Jesus operated and he demonstrated something profound in his earthly ministry in regard specifically to the presence of God. You might remember that, that Jesus didn't do anything except for what he saw the Father in heaven doing. Now, while it's very possible that Jesus actually had a heavenly encounter where he saw the Father in heaven, I don't think what's being implied here is that before Jesus ever acted or did anything, he actually had a trip to heaven where he counseled with Father and saw what he was doing and then ultimately practiced things on earth, okay? Is that pretty fair? Right? And so we see Jesus, though, operating as one who didn't do anything except for what he saw the Father in heaven doing. Well, when did he see those things? And why did, how did he know? I want to submit to you up front, just so you know where we're going. He was discerning the presence of God in any given moment. Think about his first miracle. Do you remember that? What was the first miracle of Jesus? Public miracle. Public miracle. Water to wine, right? He gave wine to a bunch of drunks. Strange thing. Strange thing, but he did. You know, he gave wine to a bunch of drunkards. You know, it's interesting, the dialogue that he has with his mother, Mary, before that. Have you ever considered this? Mary comes up and she says, hey, Jesus, listen, I'm going to need you to do something. And Jesus says, it ain't my time, woman. I lo- <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. I love it. And it's in there. <laughs> that means it's sanctioned. I'm going home to call my wife woman from now. It's a, like, listen, woman, get my caught. This just, I feel like it's going to be rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> He says, it's not my time, woman. And she completely ignores God. Right? Jesus was God, am I? She completely ignores God in that moment. She looks to the head waiter, and she was like, do whatever he tells you to do, and straight up walks away. <laughs> right? Now, listen, there's a, there's a whole message on honoring father and mother right here. Right? And the value that Father God has on that. But there was something else actually happening. Like, 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 do you think that Jesus knew when his time was? Like, you think Mother Mary knew that more than God? The answer is no. 
right? God, God in Jesus knew when his time was. He knew when his first public miracle was supposed to take place. So what was happening then? I, I would submit to you that, that Jesus is like, he, know, he has the marching orders from Father God. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. In this moment, though, he sees what the Father in heaven is doing. Let me say it a different way. He senses the presence of God, Father God, on this moment and in Mary and in the faith that she has. And he says, I see what my Father in heaven is doing in Mary's faith. And he changed his plans on the spot. See, there's another facet to this presence of God thing where you and I, we are supposed to hone ourselves to where we can, we can discern the presence of God in any kind of an environment that we are in, both good and bad. I don't mean to say God is bad, but good and evil. But we're supposed to be able to discern God in our spirits where we go such that we are able to walk out just like Jesus did. How many of you know he never healed somebody the same way twice? Like, I just, I love Randy Clark. You know, we actually... Uh, subscribe to aren't you supposed to be there by the way next week week. come on all right next week so they're going next week we need we need what they're going to bring home so just receive it yeah I love Randy Clark. We actually do Randy Clark's perma his five-step perma slightly modified because mine's better but we do that here (laughs) just kidding Randy I know you're watching you know yeah I love that but but when we are processing our world simply through our brains We're even attempting to find, uh, not patterns, processes. I've got a word for it there, but I'm not going to go look for it. Like, but we're, we're, looking for, we're looking for patterns where, like, what can I do to accomplish this end goal without actually depending on God? What's the formula? I think that's the word. What's the formula? Oh, A plus B equals C? Well, then I'll just do that, and I won't listen to Holy Spirit anymore. But how many of you know, like the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. Does the Word not tell us that? Right? And so Jesus, we see, he never healed, the, never healed a person the same way twice. So he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And every time he encountered somebody who came to him for healing, he's tuning himself in. He's actually being led by his Spirit, connecting with Holy Spirit, saying, Father, what do you want me to do now? I know the five-step prayer model. But what do you want me to do in this moment? He's sensing the presence of God in that moment, and the presence of God is actually directing him. This is also why it's so significant and why this is such a core value in our, in our midst here in Harvest. Right? So we want to encounter God. We know that there's more. We know we're not supposed to process through our brains, but there's this other side where we actually are powerful and walking like Jesus when we begin to tune our spirits into his spirit. And how many of you know the apostles... They did, ex- they did exactly this. They, they, they saw the model in Christ, and they did it. Like it's, uh, I think I've got it written here. Acts chapter, is this right? Acts chapter 14, verse 9. Listen to this. The man was listening. This is a man who was lame from his, from his mother's womb from birth. The man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze upon him, had seen that he had faith to be made well. And he says to the guy with a lot of words, stand up. The guy left to his feet, and he was healed. What did Paul see? See, I would submit to you that he is actually discerning with his spirit the same way we saw Jesus doing it in his earthly ministry. He's saying, I recognize what Father God is doing. I am seeing what Father God is doing in this moment. What did he see? He saw something in the spirit resting on this guy, this lame guy who couldn't walk. 
He's discerning. Like, well, I mean, think about it. If you're processing it through your brains, I mean, what was he, extra exuberant? He can't even walk anyway. Like, what's, and, and what does like, emotional exuberance have to do with him being healed? Like, there's nothing that you can see cognitively through your own intellect, through your own eyes, that's going to lead you to believe that when you lay your hands on this man, he's going to get up that who is lame from his mother's womb. You understand? He is discerning the presence of God in that moment. He's saying, I'm seeing what the Father is doing. I'm seeing him rest upon you right now. And when I see what the Father in heaven is doing, I know that when I pray that prayer, I have the answer to the prayer before it ever comes out of my mouth. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? That if we know the, the will of God and we pray and accordingly, we have the request that we ask. So if I can begin to hone my senses to discern the presence of God outside these four walls, by the way, this is just a training ground for that. When I can begin to discern the presence of God out there, and I'm not trying to debunk everything through my eyes and through my ears, but I'm discerning with my spirit, I actually center myself on what Father God is doing in that exact moment. And when I center myself, I sense what God is doing in that exact moment. I can stand in faith knowing that when I grab that man's hand, he's going to rise up. Because when I'm in God's will, his perfect will, in that very moment, I have the request that I ask of him. Does God want to heal everybody? Yeah, he wants to heal everybody. But there is a moment when he's healing that one. Will you sharpen your spiritual discernment? Will you sharpen that sense of presence in your life? such that you can discern that moment when it comes to you. That's why this is such a core value. We have to so discern him. By the way, again, just to demystify it, what's his presence? It's just discerning that he came near. It's, if you will, getting his attention, or maybe, just, maybe we should just say it the opposite. Maybe he's finally got yours. Right? So the presence of God just means he came near and I'm, I'm yoking myself with him and I'm discerning what's happening now because I have, I have worked through practice into this place where I can with maturity sense what's happening around me. I can discern what's happening in the spirit world and I can partner with God in heaven to see his will accomplished in this moment. I've always said I don't need any gifts I don't need any of the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. I don't need any of them. If I can just hear God, that's all I need, and I'll be obedient. And I know if I'm hearing God that I'll have the request that I ask because he asked me to do it. We have to sharpen our senses to discern him such that that is our constant reality. Amen? Holy Spirit, we just say we want your presence. We yield our five senses, but we... We, we yield our, our sixth one. That's not mystical either. You have, the, you have the discerning of spirits. You have the ability to discern because you are spirit. We submit our spirits to you, God, that you would ignite something in us, that you would, that you would help us. You would, you would ignite our spirits to lead our souls and bodies. That we would no longer be those who are led by our intellect alone. We understand there's a place for that. You said we would worship you in spirit and truth. We know that we're not divorcing ourselves from our intellect and from our mind. We're just not wanting that limited box to lead and discern spiritual things because your word tells us that those things are discerned by our spirits. Help us, Jesus. We call our spirits to lead. We call our spirits to rise up. 
And I just kind of just even feel to say like where we've rejected our spirits, where we've rejected the leadership of our spirits because it didn't make sense, would you forgive us, God? Quicken us to the spirit realm. Quicken us to your presence. We don't ever want to come into a meeting ever again and not appraise, not sense your presence and see your movements. We don't want to be spiritually dull. Awaken our spirits, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarnsburg.com. We hope to see you soon.